Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we've got a jam-packed show for you this week. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we have a crazy uh, trade deadline madness show for you. The Ducks went bonkers on trade deadline, uh, making six trades on the day. They also had made the Kasha trade a couple days earlier. So we're going to break down all of that for you. We'll talk about that first, kind of do things a little bit in a different order here. And then we'll recap some of the games really briefly that the Ducks played. And then also talk about league news at the end. But let's talk about this uh, overall reaction, I guess, to the trade deadline to begin with, Eddie. Uh, I'm tired. You're tired. Uh, I know you pulled an all-nighter just in case something crazy happened in the middle of the night, which nothing did, at least on the Anaheim side. Uh, how you feeling after this trade deadline? Oh, I, I think you said it right best. I'm fried. Um, I, I usually I, I try to get a good night's sleep every trade deadline, but I just I, I have this certain kind of excitement. Like this is like my Christmas and my Thanksgiving. This is like a holiday to me. I I love this stuff. I love seeing the transactions. I love seeing all the analysts talk about it. I love the craziness about it. I so it's like I just I couldn't sleep last night. Then I kept thinking, okay. Stupid Edmonton makes that trade at twelve o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what if Murray decides to, you know, I don't know, have a nostalgic moment and start making trades at one o'clock in the morning? I just didn't want to miss anything and I don't want to be late to the party. So, I stood up. I'm feeling good. I had my pre-workout. That's helping, and uh, something a nice uh, cold Coors Light and some Pink Whitney. So that's uh, keeping me going. I I want to give a shout out to you, Mike. Uh, I mean. You did the whole live thing. You did the articles. It just, man, you were on. Just you were everywhere today. So, you know, I have to give a shout out to you too on that. Yeah, well, it was a team effort. I was. Uh, I had two computers up running. Uh, the TV was going as well, trying to figure out everything as it came in. I was kind of laughing because I did the live Facebook around ten o'clock our time. And, uh, well, nothing really happened during that time. Uh, they had made, you know, obviously the Kasha trade before. They made the Grant trade early in the morning and the waiver pickup as well, like we'll go into. And nothing really else happened until about 12. They uh, had the trade with uh, Devin Shore. We waited to see what the return was on that. And it looked like, oh, okay, you know, Ducks made some trades, whoop-de-doo, you know, trade deadline and another year of whatever. And then all of a sudden, all these trades came in afterwards, as I had talked about where... If the trades are submitted before 12 uh, Pacific time or 3 p.m. Eastern time, then they can be announced afterwards. But this was a crazy trade deadline because the last one for the Ducks with that uh, Edmonton deal wasn't announced until almost 3 o'clock our time. And I'm sitting there going, holy crap, because Eddie and I are trying to gauge the trades, you know, get the podcast ready. I had an article out on the Grant trade early in the morning. I jumped on the live thing, and then I basically had another article ready for the trades as they were coming out. Usually, I do an article for each trade, uh, so I was waiting for the Devin Shore when I started typing that up. Then another trade came, then another trade, another trade, another trade, <laughs> and I finally had the article ready. I sent it out, and then, of course, they made that last trade for Edmonton, so I was like getting fried 
Uh, I had to repost a few things throughout the day. Eddie did too. But we, overall, I think we, we did a pretty good job. Most of the feedback we got was very good on the day. But what we'll do is uh, break down uh, the Kasha trade first because obviously that happened a couple of days before the deadline. Then we'll run down through everything because we know you guys want to you know, hear our opinion and, and talk about that. We'll also uh, discuss the poll questions that we posted and get your guys' feedback as well. But the trade finally happened, Eddie. We talked about uh, Kasha. And how he was maybe going to be traded earlier in the season. It finally happened. He gets traded to Boston. As we heard the news come out, I said, look, Bacchus is going to be the return. And lo and behold, he is the return. Ducks also got prospect Axel Anderson. And a 2020 first round pick. Uh, That first round pick will depend on how Boston does in the playoffs. And it will most likely be towards the bottom. But that's what the Ducks got in that deal. And then the other part of this was Boston retained 25% of Bacchus's $6 million contract. Therefore, the Ducks are paying him $4.5 million. And I know some people out there were getting kind of crazy about that amount. But don't forget, the Ducks also shipped out the $2.6 million contract that Kasha had. So the overall net gain from this deal was $1.9 million uh, on their um, you know cap for basically up through next season. So to me... My first reaction, uh, I saw a lot of people getting comments out there before the whole deal was done and everything was put together. But once it was all done and everything put together, I I was actually happy with this trade. I know some people were upset, but my initial reaction is I thought this was a good trade, Eddie. What did you think when you first saw, you know, when all the numbers came in and and how everything worked out? I liked it. Uh, When I first wrote the article, I originally had uh, Kasha going, you know, Probably like a third round draft pick, maybe a conditional seventh for a, a mid or B level prospect. So just taking that into consideration, getting that first round draft pick, and then yeah, taking on David Backus's salary, but they're taking, you know, twenty five percent of it. I, I think it was a fair trade. It's just he's injury prone. Uh, I don't know what's going on. He just he's not you know being with the system in Anaheim. He's not really progressing like he's supposed to do and. He's not really moving forward. He's just either standing stationary or moving backwards. Uh, I think this was a, a good trade. It's uh, It kind of like puts the Ducks in perspective what they want to do. They, they want to get younger. They want production from players. They want a, a first-round draft pick. And people are like, oh, well, it's going to be you know a lower one. But it, it's still a first-round draft pick. You, you can never know. And I think this was a good trade overall. Um Axel Anderson still he's still young, a Swedish defenseman. We know our Anaheim Ducks love Swedish players, but defensemen they usually develop slower. So you never know what the capability and and the potential of this this kid can be. He could be you know a top defenseman, or he can just be a Joe Blow nobody. But it's it's a gamble I like, and it's worth the risk. And and David Backus too. Yeah, he's an older veteran player. He knows he's he's only has a few more years of hockey left in him. And I, I think that the Ducks want to just milk the very last bit of hockey they can get out of him. And I think being traded to the Ducks will rejuvenate something. He's not going to go in and, you know, give you high, you know, high numbers, high goals. But I think he's going to produce better than he did with Boston. Um, as far as people, I, I saw comments saying that, oh, he, he's been stuck in the Boston pipeline. He's not moving up. But Boston has a, a really good defensive core. And it's like... No one's really rushing to move. And a lot of the uh, players from Boston, they actually take lower salaries to stay there. So it's like he's just, you know, 
maybe he needs an opportunity to jump up and get those minutes to see what we really got. But overall, I liked his trade, and, and I really liked how uh, how Murray went out and gambled. And he he left. I guess he left the ninety nine cent store and went to I guess what J C Penny. I mean, we'll take that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing with this trade is that it finally signaled, hey, we're out of second gear or third gear in this retooling nonsense, okay? We're going forward with a rebuild. Let's get this thing moving along. They brought in a first-round draft pick. Yeah, it's a little bit lower in the round. I, I You know, some people were upset about that, but uh, I, I'm good with that. And Axel Anderson, he's with the Ducks at least through 2022. He's an RFA, uh, costing less than a million bucks. So if he works out, he you know it'll be good. If not, we'll see. There's mixed reviews about him. If you looked at what some of the people said out there, they thought that uh, he could be a good uh, player, you know, puck moving defenseman, offensive skill and whatnot. But then other people feel like, well, he's not NHL ready. He's just going to be in the AHL for forever. So for me, I don't even really care what Axel Anderson does. Uh, honestly, it's not that big of a deal to me. I I think getting the first round draft pick was was worth it to me. Kasha, I'm sorry. I love the guy to death, but he's injury prone. I don't know why no one wants to say the C word, concussion, but we all know what's going on. They don't want to talk about it. That's fine. Uh, I even saw someone post that he had a concussion on Twitter and they deleted it. So it's out there. We we know what's going on. And and yes, Bacchus has his own issues as well. He's not scoring offensively. He's had concussion issues too. But he's brought in more to mentor the younger guys. That's what he's there for. That That's the bonus that the Ducks are getting out of him. That's what I see he's going to do. Uh, obviously, he's only going to play a bottom six role if he's in Anaheim. It, he could go down to San Diego, which brings up another point. If he goes down to San Diego, his contract goes from $4.5 million to $3.4 million in terms of the cap hit. Uh, and that's per cap friendly. So if he ends up being sent down there, it's even more of a bargain. Uh, he, I mean, he's still getting his 4.5 million, you know, regardless where he plays. But in terms of cap hit, it'll be a million less, which is good for the Ducks as well, if he has to end up going down there. So it's not, I don't love this trade. I don't think it was the best trade in the world, but I think it's one that both teams wanted to do. I put that in the article. The uh, Boston Bruins were able to unload Bacchus's contract. They got uh, Kasha, who they think can help with the scoring on their offense. And I, I hope he does help him. I, you know, and I hope he does stay healthy. But, you know, the things that we've seen, he's just a big question mark. And for me, uh, I, I think that's why Murray ended up moving him. We've talked about Kessler and Eves and other players with injuries. And I, I think he was just done. Uh, also remember Simone Dupre bringing up an old name, but we saw how that happened too. As far as what the fr- uh, you guys out there thought, we had a couple polls. A Facebook poll showed that 78% of you liked this deal. 22% didn't. And remember, Facebook polls, you only get two um, answers on there that you can uh, you know, pick. Twitter, we did three. We had 41% thought that it was good. 15 thought it was bad. And then 44% said time will tell. And, and I can get that. Those of you out there that think time will tell on this trade, of course, there's a first-round draft pick involved. So you can't automatically say someone won in here. To me, though, Eddie, I look at this, and I, I think it's a necessary trade for both teams, and both teams got what they wanted out of it. Definitely. I, I think just off the off, you know, just, just looking at this trade, it's a fair trade for both teams. And, yeah, we have to wait for a few seasons and, and see who's going to be a winner. But uh, one other thing is no one else was offering a first-round draft pick for him. Like, the only two other suitors that – that were in talks with trading for Kasha was Calgary and Carolina, and they wouldn't offer anything higher than a second round pick. 
So I think they got the best of, I guess, teams that were, you know, that wanted him to play. And they got a first-round pick. I, I, I don't know. Like, some fans get weird about this. Like, they, I bet Boston could have traded Pasternak for Kashe, and people would have still been flipping out about that. How it was an unfair <laughs> trade. So I don't know how people's minds work, but like, like overall, it's it's a decent trade. It's a fair trade, and both teams right now are just it's equal standing, and only time will tell. But having that first round draft pick is always good. I don't care if it's, you know, it's a lower one or not. It just it's still good to have that first round draft pick. You can always trade it and move up, or you can just pick someone that you know you want. It's just always good. Yeah, that, that's my feeling overall. And and just the final note, Kasha was put on the IR by Boston. So it's a little thing to note there. He did skate, though, with the team, too, today. And we posted that video as well. So, you know, best of luck to him. So the Ducks, you know, Murray getting his, you know, engine revved up, I guess you could say, getting things going. So we're coming up to the trade deadline. We mentioned certain players that we thought would be moved. And a lot of the players we mentioned did get moved. We talked about Grant. He got moved. We talked about Devin Shore. He was moved. Nick Ritchie was one that you and I talked about. Murray was finally able to get past the whole first-round draft pick with him. Sent him uh, out as well. And we also had a little bit of a surprise. Holzer was moved. So we'll talk about all these kind of in the order that they came out. So early in the morning, Eddie and I were talking. I actually started working out a little bit in the morning and I had to stop because the Grant trade had come out. I was like, oh, I got to try and get this quick workout in before everything goes nuts. And and yeah, that didn't work out so well for me. So the first trade goes down. Uh, Derek Grant gets sent to Philadelphia for Kyle Criscoll and also a fourth round pick. So this one, I had mixed feelings on this trade. I had talked about because everyone was so upset the, the night of the Vegas game when they were talking about Grant being held out for precautionary reasons, people were getting upset. And I said, hey, as long as they get a high draft pick and bring him back in the summer, I'm good with it. Well, for me, a high draft pick meant a third round pick. I really thought the Ducks could get that for him. Uh, maybe a second. It, that would be kind of tough, but I, I thought they could at least get a third. So they end up getting a fourth uh, round pick and they get another player out of it. You know, I, that part I was okay with. Uh, my initial reaction. I don't hate the trade, but for me, Eddie, the big thing is I hope that they sign him back in the offseason. Yeah, definitely. And it just, that's what bothered me about this trade. I think Grant and, and I'm sure Philadelphia wasn't the only team that was trying to get his services. I really think he could have fetched a third round draft pick, even a conditional one, if he hits a certain amount games or he. You know, gets that that twenty goal mark that I keep saying that he's going to get to this season. I, I think it could have been a little better. Um, I guess we got a prospect, if you want to say. I, it seems more like an AHL player move. Um, the only thing I can probably think of is maybe they all talked to Grant and seen if he was willing to sign an extension in Philadelphia if it worked out, or maybe he just let them know like, hey, well, my plan's to come back here. And then Anaheim agreed and let Philadelphia know, so maybe that's why it was a fourth round pick. If that's the case, then fine. I, I'm definitely okay with that. Like if he goes out and you know he tries to compete for a cup, and I really hope he wins a cup. But as long as he comes back July first, because I think he he's had the most success in Anaheim. On the flip side, though, him scoring that 20 goal mark, it, it's gonna like set him up for a huge payday, and and there's gonna be a team that's gonna overpay him that Anaheim won't. And I think if the only reason I wouldn't want Derek Grant to come back to the Ducks is 
he can find a team that can, you know, can pay for that services and kind of overpay for him. And he can just kind of, you know, milk as much money as he can while, while he still has that skill to play. That's what I'm afraid of, too, with the way he's played, like you said, is that he can command a pretty decent uh, contract given what he's done so far this season. You know, he's already got 14 goals. There's still about 20 games to go. He could easily get that 20 goal mark and then he'll want, you know, more money come summertime. And then, of course, Murray will be like, ah, I'm not going to pay him. So, uh, you know, that's the part that does kind of worry me. So I- I'm OK with this trade. But if he doesn't come back, then it's going to be a little sour because looking at the books on the player that they got, Kyle, as you talked about, he does seem more like a minor league player. They say he's a good way, uh, excuse me, a good two way center. Um, he can create chances on the offense and he can uh, be a pest uh, defensively. Uh, he can also, you know, create turnovers and whatnot. But they're saying that, you know, his size is an issue. He's 5'8, 181 pounds, and that he's more likely an AHL player. So that's the kind of scary thing is you got this guy. I mean, are you gearing up for the Calder Cup playoffs by getting this guy? And I mean, we'll talk about that too because the Ducks picked up some other players as well that may end up in San Diego. Of course, all of that we don't know yet. The The roster is all screwed up right now with everything that they brought in. So I can't really comment on who's going where. But this guy seems like someone that would more likely go down there. So that's kind of a concern for me a little bit in this trade. I'm glad that they did get another pick. But for me... If this Kyle guy isn't going to pan out, I, I'd rather not take him. I'd rather have gotten a third-round pick. That That's the way I look at it, Eddie. Oh, yeah, same here. I, I definitely and, – and I'll still harp that this wasn't my favorite trade of the day. I really wish – and I really think that Derek Grant was worth that third-round pick. I, I noted that in my article, and I'm, I'm, I, I can bet anything. I guarantee a team would have paid that third-round draft pick to grab Derek Grant, which doesn't make sense to me is – that Philadelphia went and got Nate Thompson, which is kind of a similar, you know, bottom role player as Grant, and then picked up Grant, and and I guess they're gonna play or supposedly play Thompson on the, the, the taking the faceoffs and Grant as a wing. It just doesn't seem like a good mix to me. It thinks it's just like setting him up for failure. But I just, you know, like I said, I I wish him nothing but success, and I still hope he gets that twenty goals, and I'll still. You know, also keep an eye on him and, and try to catch some Philadelphia games to see how, how he's doing and everything. But just th- that fourth round draft pick just kind of bothers me. Yeah, I feel you. I guess the only good thing is Derek Grant will still be wearing orange. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, at least he'll be, still be doing that. But anyways, so that kicked off the first trade of the day for the Ducks. And then they actually did a waiver claim as well from Pittsburgh shortly after that for Andrew Agazino. And he's a guy that played 17 games with the Penguins, had two assists this season. Uh, he's also played in the AHL where he had 33 points, uh, 14 goals, and 17 assists. Uh, they say that he's got good offensive skills, a good hockey IQ, and that he can score at the AHL level. But again, the other issue with this guy, just like Kyle, is he they don't know if that could translate to the NHL level. So if this guy plays with the Ducks, Eddie, I see him on the fourth line. And if that doesn't pan out, then he's going to San Diego. Yeah, well, I always say, uh, well, it's, it's it's a known expression. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is a, the the third player like that they're getting from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Dupre didn't work out. Uh, he, he just, you know, he had his injury prone. We traded Sprog, uh, a four Sprog for uh, Pedersen, and he didn't work out. So it's like, 
and now we're getting him. And I, I just can't see this guy panning out at the NHL level. I, I, I saw him when he was part of the, the Colorado Avalanche organization. He just doesn't seem like he's, you know, can pan out. It just seems, I mean, yeah, it's cool. Like, we didn't have to waste anything to get him. It just doesn't seem like a necessary thing. And I was going to text you, too, yesterday. Um, I bet you the Ducks will just claim him. Like, it just seems like a Ducks kind of uh, a Bob Murray kind of move to, hey, well, let me try to take a chance on this guy. And, and, and no disrespect to him. Like, he's he's put up really good numbers in the AHL level. It just I haven't seen that transition to the NHL level. And that's just the only problem. Is this team's supposed to be getting better and not be digressing. But if you just picked him up uh, for the goals, and that that's, you know, I'm all for it. And it's a good move. Yeah, and he's also a UFA in 21-22, so if something happens, he doesn't work out, they just drop him. It's a low-cost, low, low, cost, low risk to bring him in. If, if he can pan out and play well, then great, but I'm with you. I, I'm, I got low expectations. Like you said, if Pittsburgh's giving up somebody, you know, usually they, they there's a reason why they're giving up somebody. Um, you know, it's either they don't fit in their system or they're just like, yeah, this guy is kind of whatever. Like you said, no disrespect to him. He's done really well in the minors, but I just don't know if he can produce in the NHL. So those were the first two things that the Ducks did in the morning. I was kind of like, eh, you know, after these happened, I wasn't really feeling it. And, you know, did the live thing. And, of course, nobody's talking about anything with the Ducks. It's a big old lull. We're on there BSing for a couple hours, which thanks for everybody that came on there. We, we had a great time. We had a great discussion. We were asking about other players being traded, threw out some names out there. And, and then finally, uh, as we got close to noon, we knew that Devin Shore was going to get traded. And things just started getting crazy from then. We had Nick Ritchie get traded. We had Corbinian Holzer get traded. Sprong got traded, which we talked about. That was one of the other players uh, that we said would get moved. So of these next four, three of them we talked about, Ritchie, Shore, and Sprong, we thought would be gone. Holzer, we were kind of a little bit surprised he had low value, but he got traded. We'll talk about that too. So let's break down some of these other trades that happened uh, throughout the morning Eddie, the uh, Richie trade, he's going to end up going to Boston to probably play with his brother, right? Uh, and he was traded for uh, Dayton Heinen, uh, another forward. This trade seemed like a similar type deal between the two players. You know, Nick Richie played 41 games, 8 goals, 11 assists. Heinen played 58 games with 7 goals and 15 assists. Uh, they seem to both have good net presence, big body guys. They can be gritty. Uh, and whatnot. The thing I do like, this one I, I was more of a trade I, I did like because Heinen can play any position, uh, either wing or center. And and the big thing for me in this one, Eddie, is the penalty minutes. Uh, Richie had 78 penalty minutes this season. He had 82 last season total. So there's still 20 games left. And, he, and you know, he got better, but still 78 penalty minutes is crazy. Whereas with Heinen, he doesn't take as many penalties. He only averages about 10 minutes a season. So and this trade, it looked like a swap for similar players, but Heinen is not as much of a liability to the Ducks and, and putting the Ducks in uh, shorthanded situations. So that's why I do like this trade, Eddie. Oh, yeah. This is probably like one of my favorites of the day. Nick Ritchie, I've said it before, it was time to move on. Obviously, it wasn't working out, and I think a change of scenery would have been perfect. And I think Boston felt the same way with their player. However, with this guy... He comes in his rookie season, well, minus the eight-game little stunt he played uh, in 2016-17, but he came in 18-19, and he put up 16 goals, 31 assists, to get 41 points. The season after that, he played the same amount of games, 77. He, he digressed a little bit. 11 goals and 23 assists and 34 points. 
Um, I think he has a lot of potential, and I think given the the right role and the right confidence, and, and just you know putting him on the power play and just you know giving him more responsibility, I think he can thrive. And I think the same situation he was in the, over there in Boston, like they weren't, you know, he he made a few mistakes, he got in the doghouse, and he just couldn't get out. Not same with Nick Ritchie. It's just one of those things where maybe a certain system's not working for these guys, and if they switch it up, maybe it could spark something and they can reach their potential. Like I'm, you know, I know we had our issues with Ritchie, and I said negative things about him, but yeah, definitely, I I, I wish nothing but success. I would hate to see a player just kind of fail and just be done out of the NHL. So it's I think it's a good trade. It's a fair trade. I don't know why people are so upset. Uh, Rich, yeah, he put up four points yesterday, and it's, that, that's not going to be consistent. He just, he, I think we gave him too much time to try to steal what he has, and it hasn't worked out. And there's only so much you can do, and and so much like, time you can waste until he just gets it's monotonous and it gets old. So I think it was a, it was the right move, and I'm glad that Marie pulled the trigger. And I know it's probably you know gut wrenching to him thinking that he's he's pretty much moving a, a, a top or a tenth overall pick. Especially in a draft where uh, Pasternak was part of that draft and was picked a little lower after that. But I think this is going to be a good trade, and I think he's really going to shock the Ducks fans, and he's going to have success. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I like this one. Uh, he does come in at $2.8 million, but he is an RFA, so the Ducks do own his rights. But I, I like the fact that he's more disciplined, and I think that was a big problem for Richie, getting the Ducks shorthanded. And we talked about it on previous shows. Like you said, he was a top pick first round. Was Murray ready to move on from him? And you and I said if he was, that he'd make a trade. And here you go. He made a trade. So I'm happy with this one. I I felt this is a trade that I I think the Ducks ended up winning this one. Um, It's just unfortunate. You know, Nick Ritchie, a high draft pick. Just didn't really pan out. Like you said, had a really good game against Vegas, but that those kind of games are far and few in between. So his inconsistent play as well as his liability to penalties was, I think, a definite reason why the Ducks moved on from him. And, and speaking about inconsistency, another guy that they moved on from to Eddie was Devin Shore. They ended up uh, sending him over to Columbus for uh, Sonny Milano. Uh, this is another trade that I liked. Uh, sure, he just never really fit in with the team. He did have a, a, a good goal in that Vegas game as well. Uh, he had four goals on the season and six assists. He played on different lines. He was, you know, as you all remember, the trade that we also hate was the uh, Shore Cognano trade. He was in that one. But I, I like the fact that they brought in Milano. He sounds a little bit like a Sprong 2.0. They were talking about how he has offensive upside, has good hands, but sometimes he tries to do too much by himself and that he also needs to work a little bit on his defensive game. And it sounds like, kind of like the Sprong situation, he kind of fell out of favor in Columbus with court, uh, excuse me, Coach Tortorella. So, uh, you know, maybe a change of scenery from him would work, and, and we'll talk about Sprong a little bit. Obviously, he got uh, traded, but once the Ducks brought in Milano, um, you know, that that signaled that. But I think this is one that, that'll that be interesting. He's had some, I think, off-ice stuff that you want to talk about a little bit, Eddie, some issues there. But uh, he just didn't really get a chance there in Columbus, and, and there's some potential there, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and Devin Shore came in, and I understand what the Ducks are trying to do. They're trying to get younger, trying to get a little faster and cheaper. Uh, I loved Cogliano. He was a fan favorite. Everyone loved him, so everyone, you know, got a little emotional for that trade, but you have to understand this is business, and if you can trade someone for a little cheaper and a little faster that might pan out, then yeah. 
Cogliano was declining, and he wasn't the same player he was the season before. And he's not the same player he is right now in Dallas. Yeah, he's still that fan favorite, and everyone loves him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. I don't go to a Ducks game just to watch one specific player, minus DeLaurier. Because that's my, like, Ducks man crush. (laughs) But, um, no, it's all about winning. And uh, quoting uh, Coach Herb Brooks, you know, that logo on the front's have a lot more important than the one on the back. And I go watch my team to win. I don't watch them lose. So if I can see my team do anything to win, I mean, even trading DeLaurier, if they would have traded him to to get better, to make the team better, then, yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, bummed out, whatever. If I bought the jersey, it's like, okay, whatever. But I buy the jersey for a specific reason. I like the player. This trade, I think it'll work out. Uh, Tortorello, he, uh, Tortorello is not the easiest guy to get along with. If you guys are, are watch anything of, like beyond the Ducks in the hockey world, he's one of those coaches. Just you know, shut the hell up and do what I say. Period. And if he doesn't like something, he's gonna make you know. He's gonna yell at you. He, he's not gonna sit there and and cuddle you and rub your head and tell you that you had a bad game, but it's gonna get better. No, he's gonna cuss you out. And that's his way of motivating you. But then again, on the flip side, if someone pisses him off on the other team or the referee makes a bad call, he'll be the first one to say those same F-bombs and cuss them out and have your back. So I think he's a really good coach for that. Milano did have some off-ice issues. He got into a bar fight. Um, and, of course, when he was re-signing a contract, too, so that kind of, like, hurt him uh, getting money that he wanted. And I don't know if that played a factor, uh, having bad blood with the organization and Tortorella. They just – they never kind of got over that. I mean, it could happen to any one of us. These people are human. Uh, any one of us that go to a bar, you know, when you're drinking, you have alcohol in your system, every people are drinking. Things can get out of control real quick. I wasn't there. I don't know. I, I, I just – you know, the shit happens. You, you can't avoid it. If you're going to be part of a shitstorm, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. So I don't really judge him on that. I think this is one of those things where uh, Devin Shore is going to go over there with a clean slate and he's going to have every opportunity to, to be a player he can be and vice versa. Sonny Milano is going to come over here and have that opportunity. And with, with our coach, Dallas uh, Aikens, he's more of that, I guess, that comforting coach. Not really comforting, but he's really that, that player's coach. And maybe he'll respond better to that than someone yelling at him and screaming at him. So who knows? It might work out uh, for both teams. If not, it's just, it's it's one of those risky chances that are – it's it's not really a risk. It's just, you know, both teams are taking that equal equal risk, but I think it's going to benefit us. And I can't believe we got him just straight up like that. I thought it was going to be at least a draft pick their way, like, you know, like a sixth or seventh round draft pick going their way. So I like this trade too. I think it was a really good trade. And I think as of right now on paper, I think the Ducks won this one. Yeah, that was the thing, too, that we were talking about. When we saw the trade get announced, you remember this one, there was like a delay. So we were like, okay, is this straight up or are the Ducks having to give something else up? And we waited and waited and waited. And finally, they said, yes, it's straight up. So we were both happy with that. You look at Milano, too. I mean, his contract is just under 900000 and he's also an RFA in 2021. So the Ducks also own his rights as well. So I, I'm good with what they're doing there on this one, they give him a chance. If he, you know, it doesn't pan out, they own his rights, and they can, you know, figure out what they're going to do from there. So I was happy with both of these ones uh, that happened. Uh, you know, the ones earlier in the morning, uh, obviously after the uh, the Grant um, trade that first happened. So these next two I, I liked, and then the Ducks they end up. Uh, going with another trade after that they this one was really i guess of all the trades this one kind of surprised eddie and i 
Uh, Holzer was sent to Nashville for Matt Irwin and a 2020 sixth round pick. I I didn't think he would get traded. We all know Holzer's you know the sixth seventh defenseman for the Ducks, utility player pretty much. Um, he's he even had to play forward. You remember earlier in the season when the Ducks were short, but uh, you know he never scores a lot. Obviously, been kind of making some bad decisions with the puck a little bit as of late. So I wasn't surprised that Murray tried to trade him, but I was surprised on the return. They they got Matt Irwin, who's kind of similar, same thing. He only played 27 games with Nashville, uh, bottom pairing as well. Uh, he's got decent size. Um, you know, the one thing they say is he doesn't always live up though to to his frame or his size. So it seems like they kind of traded similar players. But then the Ducks also got a late round pick out of it. So for me, this was another trade that I was happy with Eddie because I the fact that the Ducks got a player and a pick for Holzer, like, I mean, I'm like, dude, Bob reached down deep for this one. Uh, yeah, I know it's a late round pick, but uh, I, I was just surprised that they got a pick and a player for Holzer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I 110% agree with you. I, this sixth round pick should have been for Delzato and nothing against Holzer. I, I love his his. I just I love how he goes out there and gives it 110%. Obviously, he's not the most skilled player out there, but for us to get a sixth round pick, and basically the, this trades Holzer for a sixth round pick because Irwin's probably just to get, get him off their roster and just kind of a paper thing. So I, I won't even count that. It would have been just an equal, equally unfair trade by both teams, just swapping these. It wouldn't really make sense. But for the Ducks to get that sixth round pick, this is a win all day. This is not a wait and see. Because these two players, let's face it, in reality, they're not really going to make a big difference, in, and they're going to be that that seventh defenseman, uh, even eighth defenseman on, on some teams. So I, I think the Ducks just knocked this one out of the park. Bob Murray, I don't know what he drank. This uh, I don't know if he's drinking Pink Whitney too. He just had a nostalgic moment, but this was a really good trade. And this is the one that we can absolutely say the Ducks won. Yeah, and, and like you said, with Matt Irwin, it's not a big deal. If he doesn't work out, he's a UFA uh, done in uh, 2021, so it's it's not a big deal. I, I I'm with you. I think it's more for the draft pick, if anything. So I, I like this one. There's not much to talk about on it. It's a small trade. It just it was just a surprise to me. I, I was like, what? We traded Holzer and we got a draft pick. And I'm like, holy shit. So you know, I was happy with that. In my opinion, uh, as the trades kept trickling in and trickling in. Um, you know, all this well after the 12 o'clock deadline, all these trades were coming through. The other one that happened that finally we thought would happen. And once, as we talked about the Milano shore trade happened, I, I saw this and talked about it on the live Facebook feed. I said, Oh, here we go. Sprong is the other one on there. I said, Sprong, I kept talking about because everything was out there about Manson and Miller, uh, shore and Delzato. No one was talking about Sprong. And I said, keep an eye on him. And then he got traded. So I was not surprised at all. He ended up, like we said, he's similar to the Milano situation. Sprong had been called up, not given a chance to play, or he gets to you know play in a game that he's benched for a couple minutes and whatnot. You know, they kept looking at him and overpassing him. So you know, this was not a surprise at all to see what happened. He may fit in the Washington system. That's where he ended up going in this trade. The Ducks got uh, Christian Juice. So now they got, instead of Bieksa, they got uh, Christian Juice now. So it's Juice 2.0, right? But uh, <laughs> they, brought him, they brought him in. And the thing about this, too, I was reading up a lot of stuff on him. 
And ironically, some news came out about Fowler and Good Branson being out for a couple of weeks, right? That's what uh, was released during this trade deadline, another part of all the madness that was going on. But this guy is a good puck-moving defenseman. Uh, I read up that they think that he could do well on the power play. He's well-rounded in everything in the game. And, of course, he's a Swede, another Swede that Murray likes. But I, I thought it was interesting. With Fowler being out for a while, they brought this guy in. And it's a guy that, you know, he doesn't score a lot of goals and whatnot. He uh, only played in a couple games for the Capitals. And in the minors, he had uh, five goals and 27 assists in 42 games. But I think it's interesting. I I think the Ducks might give this guy a look, Eddie. Yeah, this is one of those trades that's kind of like meh to me. Um, We weren't going to use Sprague. We got that already. He's been, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they pissed him off that much. Or the coach that much, and he wasn't really playing that defensive style of that, that he wanted. But th- this trade's not going to hurt. Like we're not using him. He he wasn't really going to do anything. He's really he has potential to play, you know, in the NHL. But he he wasn't going to get a chance at Anaheim. And with Fowler and Gabranson out, I, why not take a chance on this guy? It's just two players that just swap. And it's one of those things too. Like I said uh, before, if it doesn't work out, I mean, it's no loss to anyone. It's just a, a quick, easy little swap, and we we'll go from there. Um, hopefully, he has more success in Washington, and they have that more of a running gun style, not back check and things like that. Once you put the puck in the net, uh, so hopefully he has success. And I hope our our new juice guy. I hope he brings a personality as uh, our juice number one. But I actually hope that he can actually contribute and we can find that diamond in the rough and, you know, have at least a, you know, I'll take a bottom, a consistent bottom pairing defenseman that can move the puck and, and contribute offensively. Yeah, and that's what we're looking at. Uh, he may come in there and be able to do some things for the Ducks uh, defensively while they're shorthanded right now. That's that's what I'm looking at. I mean, I don't think, I don't know if he'll be like a mainstay guy that'll be there for, a, you know, a long time, but uh, you know, reading up on him, it sounds like he has some stuff that he can do to help out the team. And, you know, he's also another RFA. So at the end of the season this year, the Ducks can figure out what they want to do with him. If they want to extend him, they own his rights as well. So uh, kind of a theme here. Murray got several players that, uh, you know, some of them, their contracts in this year or next year. But he got a handful of RFAs in this mix uh, this season. So I, I think that was important to him that he could own those rights, um, which also helps out as well for either trading at the draft or trying to re-sign people or whatnot to try and flip them maybe for picks if they don't work out. So that's something else to think about here with these guys that they're bringing in. And I, I, I like this one. I mean, for you, it was kind of okay. For me, I, I think he can do some good things. We'll, we'll see. If he, if he bombs, he bombs. But I, I think he's got a chance there. So I'm hoping that this one will work out. Uh, based upon what they were talking about as far as everything going on with Fowler and Good Branson. So they brought him in, another Swede, and we thought everything was done, and it was all on hold for a while. And then Eric Stevens puts out, oh, there's still a minor trade left, not a big deal. Well, maybe not to that player. So then everybody thought, okay, well, the other guy we all talked about was Delzato. We thought maybe he would get moved. So I sat there and thought, okay, it's either him or it's going to be a minor league player. And it ended up being a minor league player. Uh, this one, I, I didn't really like. I, I, I don't know. I thought this trade was kind of whatever to me. But th- this was the very last one. Almost announced at like 3 o'clock our time. Eddie and I are like dying because I'm trying to... I already had put out the article. 
And then this came out. I'm like, you, you, oh, you know, I was annoyed because I had to, you know, I wanted to update it and just put it all out as one because so much stuff had happened today. But, I, you know, this one wasn't a big deal to me. So they, they took their minor league goalie, uh, Redmond, who's playing the ECHL, sent him to the Oilers for defenseman Joel Pearson. And the Oilers can also get a 2022 seventh round pick if Pearson plays in 25 games with the Ducks next season. So a little complicated there, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I guess looking at it and looking at the, the goals and their goalie situation with Boyle and Stolarz, I, I, I guess there wasn't really room for Redmond. You know, he's having a really great season. I mean, it's the ECHL, but I mean, he's 13-0-0, 2.31 goals against and 9.18 save percentage. So, I mean, he's playing really well there. Uh, he only played in a couple games with San Diego. So I think th- there's kind of a log jam at the goalie uh, scenario. So I think that's why. Uh, also, the Ducks did keep Miller, right? He didn't get traded, as we talked about, though. We, d- we don't think he's going to play too many more years. Uh, but uh, they decided to move on from him, pick up this uh, Pearson guy, who, again, is another Swede, right? So they add that into the mix uh, defensively and put him in there. And they said, same thing, puck moving defenseman. Uh, uh, has offensive upside, but again, they said that that hasn't translated into the NHL. So this one, I, I mean, adding to the defense again, I guess, and, and giving up a seventh round if he plays 25 games, that part's not really a big deal. But I don't know. This trade was just kind of whatever to me, Eddie. It was just kind of like the the low light uh, of the trade deadline for the Ducks, especially because it was at the very end, and we were like, dude, when is this shit going to be over? Oh, yeah. Eric Stevens posted that thing, and we're like, okay. And everyone's saying, Dalzado, Dalzado. Everyone's just posting about Dalzado. We all thought he was going to be traded, but but then this pops up. But I think that this is one of those trades where we don't really give up anything. We're giving up a goalie that we were just probably going to let walk when he becomes a restricted free agent. And we like you said, we have a logjam of goalies, and we have other players. Uh, Dostal too is still waiting for his chance. I don't know if next season if. If Miller decides to retire, I mean, we could bring up Stolarz. I think he's played well enough to, to secure a backup spot and have Boyle and Dostal play in the AHL. And that just leaves him back in the ECHL just kind of wasting away. He's not really going to, you know, progress or he's not going to really develop that well playing in that low of a league. So I think pretty much giving up a goalie for this defenseman we're going to take a, a Pearson we're going to take a chance on. I mean, we have all this season to, to see what he has and he can showcase his skills and then we have twenty five up to twenty five games next season. If we get to that nineteen twentieth game, and he's still, he's not really, you know, he's not really, you know, progressing or being that player that that, that we want. We can just bury him in the minors, and boom, we keep our seventh round draft pick. If not, we can think about the expansion draft. We can just have him play on the roster the certain amount of games he has to play, and expose him to the expansion draft. So, and if he does play well enough, uh, decent enough, we can also flip him and get maybe a sixth round or a fifth round pick for him. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, it doesn't look too flashy. It's kind of like whatever. It's probably not going to, we're probably not going to see a difference uh, in this trade. But I think this is one of the, the, the trades that the Ducks kind of won too. Because no matter what, they just gave up a goalie that they weren't going to use that they would probably would have let walk anyways. And they got... Uh, a potential de- defenseman that can, you know, probably crack the lineup consistently. And another reoccurring theme, as I talked about on the show over and over again, he's an RFA. So the Ducks picked up a lot of RFAs in this uh, trade deadline. So they own the rights of him, 
again, there's a lot of the guys that'll be uh, expiring contracts at the end of this season or next season, but the Ducks own the rights to a lot of these guys that they picked up. So that's one, I think, good part about it too, Eddie. Like you said, some of these guys, as far as like Matt Irwin, if he doesn't work out, whatever, he's a UFA. Bye, Felicia, we don't care. You know what I mean? Certain, <laughs> certain things like that, you can see. Um, Agazino as well, to kind of take a chance on him, but he's a UFA, doesn't work out. You know, see you later. You know, things like that. But most of these other guys are all RFAs. So yeah, Murray's definitely loading up uh, on, the, on these players and whatnot. The comments that he said uh, from this draft, uh, you know, if you look at the Ducks Twitter, he talked about getting faster, getting younger. He did do that. Now, the one thing is he didn't get as many draft picks, I would say. It's kind of maybe a concern here. Uh, obviously, he got that first rounder for uh, Kasha. He got the fourth rounder involved with the Grant deal and a late six-round pick as well. But not a whole lot of picks uh, would probably be the criticism of uh, Murray here. And we did a couple uh, fan polls. And, of course, it's early, but you just get your reaction and whatnot. We did one on Facebook. Remember, Facebook, you can only have two options. So we put, did you think we did a good job or did you think he did a poor job? And right now it's about 75% to 25% you think Murray did a good job. On Twitter, we did the grades, A, B, C, and D or F. Obviously, they uh, only have four choices on there, so that's what we went with. And most of you out there felt B or C. You had uh, 10% with an A as of right now, 11% D or F, 49% at B, and 30 at C. So what do you think after all these trades and what we've talked about, what Murray was trying to do and how it all went down? Um, he didn't do nothing, so you can't get mad at him about that part, but he did a shit ton of things, and I know uh, people got upset but how do you feel, Eddie, uh, overall with everything? Uh, it seems like most people here are happy that he did things. He kind of moved players that weren't working and brought in some other ones that, you know, some he may take a chance on, some may work. Um, what's your take? You know, he kind of, I posted that gif of uh, the Wolverine blowing up the car because that's kind of what he did on this trade deadline. He, he, he blew up, you know, Honda Center, basically. I mean, he did a whole bunch of crazy things here. Uh, to some people, uh, but I tried to write the article to show at least the reasoning of why he did what he did. Uh, you may not agree with everything that uh, he did, but at least put some kind of logic to what he did. I, I, to me, I think a lot of what he did made sense. Uh, a couple of them, eh, I didn't really care for, but what was your thoughts overall on this uh, day, this crazy trade deadline madness day, Eddie? I thought it was an overall good day. I, I, I'd give him a B- minus uh, for today. He got... He got younger, he got a little faster, and he got some guys that are a little more skilled than the guys he had in his roster. I mean, like, what else can you ask for? Like, I don't know. Um, I would have been upset if he went and tried to get those big-name players. Uh, those, those, they did, We're not in that, that stage yet. And, and I want to let fans know, if you still live in this fantasy world where you think the Ducks are going to be competitive, I see some posts that Ducks can still make the playoffs for only X amount of games and points out, it's not going to happen. Like you have to stop and realize and really take a look at this game and analyze it. The Ducks aren't competitive. They don't have a, a team deep enough to win the Stanley Cup. And I just don't know what what goes through some of your guys' minds thinking the Ducks are going to just all of a sudden do what the St. Louis Blues had last year. But the Ducks don't have that kind of depth. They don't have that kind of skill. I think he, he took some risks that he's usually not you know prone to take. So I respect that. I like that. And, and all these players, if they don't pan out, it's not gonna. We're not gonna be stuck with them. We're not gonna be at LA throwing 
$6.5 million to a 35-year-old, 36-year-old player. All these players are UFAs, RFAs, so we have control. If not uh, the UFA guys, we can just, you know, toss them. Hey, you know, th- thank you for playing. You know, see you whenever. I-, I think he did a decent job. I think he stepped out of his element. I, I don't know if he-, he probably didn't want to, but he, he, t- he took some risk. Um, he he got rid of his uh, his his 10th overall draft pick, which I know is probably really hard for him to do, because it kind of admits that you failed at that. But like overall, I like what he what he's done. I like the the route he's taking. Do I still think that he's the GM of the future to to take us to that next level? Probably not. But I think this is a start, and if if he's willing to change and make those little bit of risk here and there, I, I think who knows? Maybe I might, might change my my mind. Once the Ducks are competitive and he starts going after those big names that can actually help us get over that hump, like what Burke did uh, pulling Pronger, like he, he, you know, reading that when the Ducks won the cup, uh, everyone said when he brought Pronger in there, they were going to, you know, they were going to win the cup. I, I believe that was in Slani's book too. When, when they traded for him, it's like, okay, we're going to win the cup. But everyone's mentality, it's a far way from, from having that kind of, you know, gambling method, but. I, I liked it. This is like this is probably one of the the best drafts I've seen in a while from Murray, and, and I like I said overall a B minus. And like you talked about too, Mike, I, I wish he would have tried to get some more higher end prospects and draft picks. He made it known that he's willing to take bad contracts. A lot of teams have some bad contracts they want to get rid of. He did a good job uh, bringing Backus in and getting that first round draft pick. I would like to see him, you know either get another first round or a couple of second round draft picks by taking another bad contract. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm with you too. I, I give him a solid B basically because of that. I, th- I think could have gotten, you know, B plus a range if they could have had some higher draft picks brought into this. That was kind of my little sticking point on there, but he did do a whole lot of things. Uh, as he talked about here, you know, he quote, he said, we definitely wanted to get more skilled and faster. There's a possibility with Heinen and Milano these guys are definitely skilled and fast. Now it's a matter of where everything fits and how it fits. It's all part of this transition. It's going to take a little bit of time. As you talked about being more patient and everything like that. Uh, obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs and you know do anything like that this season. But overall, I'm happy with what happened. Uh, I think a couple things could have gone maybe a little bit better. But for what he's done and what he's bringing in, if you look at a lot of these guys, like I said, most of them are RFAs. Most of these guys are all low cost. Uh, the only one uh, that's over a million here is uh, Heinen. So the Ducks still have plenty of cap, uh, which does go to your point is maybe they could have taken on another uh, bad contract and gotten a first or second round pick. That's the only maybe other missed thing in there that that kind of would have solved all that. You know, uh, looking at you know overall how this draft went. So I, I still think he did good. And I'm with you. I don't think he's the GM of the future. I don't think he's the man and all that stuff like that. But with what's gone on with the Ducks lately and everything, uh, I think he was just ready to do something. And, and that's where we'll kind of transition. Uh, real quick, just to let you know that this uh, podcast is brought to you by CoolHockey.com. Check them out. Check out our Patreon.com slash Ducks and Pucks website. Uh, we give away a $200 gift card on there. If you join on there, you have a good chance of winning. You can also win game tickets as well. And we'll give you a shout out if you join on there. So please look into that. Uh, and now we'll kind of transition to the second half of the show. We'll talk about some of these games recently that the Ducks played. And then we'll also talk about like league news and, and kind of what we thought uh, you know league-wide about how the draft did. But real quickly, we'll just go over some of the games. 
Uh, Eddie, I think the, the biggest thing with these last contests and maybe why it spurred a lot of the stuff with Murray is that the Ducks were on a big losing streak. Uh, if you remember, they went into uh, Vancouver and had a great game and took out the Canucks 5-1. to one. But then after that, the Ducks just went down from there, losing the rest of the games. They they lost to Calgary, thought that they were going to win that one, and they, they blew it in the third period, surprisingly, in that game. Uh, Florida, they didn't play terrible, but they lost 4-1. to one. Again, Colorado, they didn't play terrible, but lost one nothing. And then, of course, the crazy game against Vegas. But looking at all these games, Eddie, you know, the Ducks going on this losing streak here, having lost four games in a row, uh, I definitely think that that factored in with Murray, you know, kind of blowing up the roster and changing things around. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, just Ducks are so inconsistent. And when they get a couple wins in a row, it's only been a few times this season. And obviously, something drastic had to change. And it, 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 not just for the roster, but for the players, too. Like, hey, if you guys aren't going to perform, I'm not going to be that, that GM again. It's just going to make a couple trades that are kind of irrelevant. And trade players, you know, no, he, he, I think him making these trades made a big statement saying, you know, maybe he's willing to change and you guys better start playing your ass off. If not, hey, come, uh, come July 1st or come postseason, even up to now, he can, he can still make trades now. He can trade players and if they, you know, get traded, they just can't play, play in the playoffs. So if there are two teams that are out of the playoffs, they can still make trades. So I think he kind of put his foot down and is more stern. I think players are going to respect him a little bit more for that and have that little that motivational fear. Like, okay, well, he means business now. Like, you know, last few years he was just kind of whatever, you know. But now it's like, oh, he, he, he pretty – it's like, man, he, six trades they made today. That's crazy. So I think like everyone's on a short leash and they have to start performing. If not, uh, I think, you know, he, he means business. So, um Far the games, it, that Vancouver game was the best game they played, Mike. And Manson knocking out Myers was freaking awesome. amazing. And oh yeah, <laughs> people crying. Oh, Manson should be suspended. All those people, those are the people that get offended by badmen, like we talked about in previous shows. Come on, freaking Tyler Myers goes after Jones, cross checks him, then he tries to drop the gloves on Silverberg and. He just didn't want to fight someone that, that that can rise up to that level and fight. He got his ass kicked. Shout out to Madison's wife, too. She loved that clip, though. We posted uh, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball song. <laughs> Perfectly timed, getting him punched. And I really think, too, that the Ducks played great against Colorado. Colorado is a, really, a team that can score from everywhere, and they have Nathan McKinnon. And with the exception of two times him just bringing the puck in and rushing and almost scoring, they shut him down. Like, he just... He, he couldn't get anything, and uh, they had their backup goalie, which a rookie, tw- a 29-year-old rookie goalie, Francois, he played lights out. Only goal was scored was off a fluke by Manson, just giving that puck up at the wrong place, wrong time, and Copper scores. But I think that was a, I think that was one of their better games they played too. And if they got, I think if they got one goal past Francois, it, it could have been different, and they could have won this game. So. I mean, yeah, they did. They had those three losses in a row, but I think the Vancouver one was perfect. Colorado was was a good game, and then Vegas them showing a glimpse of the comeback kids and, and you know making the fans that left the game really regret that. That was pretty fun too. Yeah, the Vegas game was really exciting. I mean, they were down five to three at the end of that, and you thought, ah, oh, they're gonna lose. So they pull Gibson three minutes ago, and and Henrique gets two goals, ends up forcing overtime. Raquel almost wins that game. 
in overtime. Just that was a crazy game. I mean, the Ducks were able to get a point out of it. You had Richie who almost got a hat trick. You had Henrique who almost got a hat trick. And then, of course, Carlson is the one that has to get a hat trick for Vegas. That was just a super crazy, uh, entertaining game. Uh, yeah, the Ducks lost that one in overtime, but uh, it was good on them to come back and fight it out. And like you said in the other games, you know, uh, Colorado close game, they lost by one. Florida, a couple bad bounces in that game led to some goals. They, I mean, they lost four to one, but they, it, you know, the score looked worse than really what it was. And uh, Calgary, that was the one that really let me down out of all these games this last week because the Ducks went up three to one in the third period. And you thought you, they had this, and then all of a sudden. I don't know what the, the Calgary did. They lit their flame, so to speak, and they just went nuts in the third period and blew the Ducks out of the water. Um, that was kind of disappointing because the Ducks had played pretty well in that game. They held Calgary at bay really until that third period, uh, but a little frustrating. So, you know, the Ducks going on this big losing streak right now. They'll have Edmonton and then Pittsburgh and New Jersey to finish out the homestand. Uh, but... You know, I think the overall thing is, Eddie, is just the Ducks being inconsistent. They've been on this losing streak. Obviously, the season's been going down. And you look at what's going on, and I think that they want to try to, you know, bring in these other guys and, and see what they can do the rest of the season. That's what Murray talked about, you know, finishing out the last 20 games and seeing how they go. I think the other part about this, too, I, I didn't really mention with the, our trade deadline. But, you know, Miller and Manson did not get moved, and neither did Delzato. Uh, I think Delzato was a little bit of a surprise because we had talked about him getting sent uh, you know, to St. Louis and the Ducks getting him back, so he stayed. But Miller and Manson, I'm happy that they stayed. Manson, as I mentioned, uh, obviously the whole thing in, in the Vancouver game was just beyond awesome. But he's been inconsistent this year, and I know a lot of people were saying that you should trade Manson and the Ducks could get a first-round pick and whatnot. But I just don't see Murray making that trade, and he didn't make a trade. So... Either he didn't get offered a first-round pick and some other stuff, or he he got you know a little bit less than you know what he was asking for. I, I'm sure he probably asked for a ridiculous price, based upon some of the comments we saw out there from some of the other people. And I, I know how much of a fan he is of Josh, but I, I'm glad they didn't move Manson or Miller. In my opinion, those were two that we thought were least likely to happen. Especially Miller with his no-trade clause, he had a six-team yes list, and that didn't happen as well. And and I, I just didn't really think those two would pan out. But uh, as far as that, uh, did you have any surprises or anything else as far as the Ducks and, you know, with them going on this losing streak of players that they kept and, and, and whatnot? Uh, I think the only player that surprised me was Dalzado. I think he can add depth to a lot of teams that can, you know, be a contender. Um, they kept them uh, for obvious reasons, I guess. Um, he hasn't played, like, he's doesn't play that bad if you want to compare him to holzer obviously he's the better seventh defenseman uh that can take on that 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 last sixth defenseman role but but i mean i think that i think the only thing that kind of like shocked me a little bit was richie yeah i did that article you know said you know might be traded i just didn't really think murray would actually do that it's not something that he usually does and definitely him trading six different players, making six different transactions, really surprised me because last season he only made two. And he's not really known for, you know, going out there and going balls out uh, on, the, on the deadline. Another thing that irritated me, I, I don't know if Murray's living in the past, faxing his uh, trade things in. But, <laughs> I mean, no, but you know what? Um, I mean, if you're a Ducks fan, you should be happy uh, about the trade this trade deadline. Um if you're not, you should really uh, you should really do some research, not just 
just look at the name and all because you don't recognize the name or it's on NHL 20, they're ranked like 67 and you're going to get mad about that. You should really go and do your research, read the articles. Like we, we write articles and we post them, not for you just to read the headline and you to make some dumbass comment and look kind of stupid because you didn't read the article. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. It's just, it, uh, we don't write novels. We write, you know, a quick quick easy little three to five minute read uh read article depending on how fast you read or not i'm a slow reader and i can still read these pretty quick but uh, it it was good and it, it was really good to see murray actually do something different i like i said i still don't think he's our gm of the future but i'm really glad to see he's actually embracing and trying to change and trying to trying to kind of like you know not really stay in his his old ways and He's he's the definition of he. You can't teach an, an old dog new tricks. So I really like that aspect of it. I liked how he kind of just went out there and and did the unnormal un- things. Um, if you're a Ducks fan, you shouldn't be upset. You should just you know you might not like some of the trades, but at least he went out there and he took that chance and he he just you know stay put and just trade, you know. Holzer for a sixth round in Irwin and and trade you know future considerations. Thank God he didn't get traded because I would have been mad if my favorite player got traded. <laughs> but no, I think it was a I think it was an overall you know it was a decent trade deadline day and it was a, an overall win for for Ducks. Yeah, I think so too. And and I encourage everybody go read the articles that I posted up on the trades and and see what you think. And there. Uh, like I said, I don't like every single trade. I, I'm not saying Murray's a magician. I think some of these trades are, are a little bit like, yeah, okay, whatever. But you can go on there and read what I, I put. I tried to crank it out today. I was really researching everything while looking at two computers and talking on Facebook and watching the TV and texting Eddie and texting other people. And then, of course, as trades were going down, my phone was just going off. And then I had people trying to call me. And I'm like, I can't answer the phone till after 12. And then it became, I can't answer the phone till 1, then 2, then 3. <laughs> I mean, today was just ridiculously crazy uh, as far as the trade deadline went. They had so many trades, in fact, that it was the most since 1979-1980 season. Uh, when they kept records, they had a total of 32 trades on this trade deadline. Just insane. But uh, as we'll, we'll transition here, we'll talk about basically the trade deadline around the league and some league news. Uh, the funniest part, though, of this trade deadline, Eddie, was Johnny Goudreau when he left the ice oh, oh and everybody freaked out. And then he came back and said, I had to go pee. That, to me, was the highlight of my day. I just laughed so hard because everybody was freaked out, going, what's going to happen? What's going on? And, and like I said, well, I'm doing all my stuff. People are texting me and people are texting you. And, you know, you know, today is just madness. It always is. But it was even more madness because the Ducks made so many trades and the league made so many trades. But for me, uh, that was the highlight of the day, Eddie. I don't know if you have any other highlights or any of the other teams you want to talk about because I know some other teams went kind of bonkers and all out as well. That yeah, when that whole Johnny Goudreau people are starting flipping out, and I was like, I think we posted on our little group chat. I'm like, oh, it's probably nothing or whatnot, and he had a pee. It on like it honestly <laughs> made me think of Forrest Gump meeting the president after he won the Heisman Trophy, <laughs> and the first thing he said after drinking all his Dr Pepper is like, oh, you know, like so, what do you think about this? Oh, I have to pee. Like, it just that's what <laughs> made me think of it. It was just so funny and how people just flip out for every little thing. Uh, it's just crazy, but you know I I get it though because I'm the same way. Refreshing my phone every five seconds on the computer, refreshing it. I accidentally retweeted one of those uh those troll profiles, those loose, <laughs> those forty year old virgins that live with their mom that like cook hot pockets in their basement. 
those losers over there. Uh, I actually retweeted one of those because it was just so just hectic. I've been up all night, but I, what really surprised me is Florida, uh, you know, trading a throw check away to Carolina. I, I think he's a really phenomenal player. He's one of those versatile players. He's a top player. I I, I just don't understand why they traded him. I don't know if there's something internally going on. That he wanted to go out to leave there. Um, to leave a, a place where you don't pay state taxes either. So it's like you're getting the, the <laughs> most money. That's what really surprised me the most. It just, other than that, besides uh, Philadelphia taking a similar player in Grant uh, by taking Thompson, I mean, other than that, just, uh, I think, oh, oh, yeah, one other thing too I want to talk about was Wayne Simmons waving his no uh, trade clause to go to Buffalo. I, I don't know why Buffalo is trying to be buyers. Like, it just makes zero sense to me. They traded a fifth round pick, which isn't too bad, but it's like Buffalo, you're not going to make the playoffs, like unless they have a, a super surge. But they just don't seem like that playoff kind of team, and them to be settler to buyers like that. Um, other than that, I think everything was just kind of you know everyone just making the certain moves. Of course, you know Pittsburgh going and making their moves. Of course, it wouldn't be a trade deadline without Pittsburgh Penguins making a a trade. Vegas too. Vegas kind of threw me off. Robert Leonard. I, I, yeah, that was like wow. Um, I, I think they're they're gearing up for the future. I don't know how how much longer Flower has. Uh, I think they're gonna let him play or maybe transition him to a backup role. But I think Robert Leonard would probably be a goalie of the future uh, for Las Vegas. I, I love that guy. He's he's been open about his mental illness and he overcame it and he he battles it daily. And he's he's really open about sharing it and, and helping others. So. I, I come on! I, I wish him the best of luck for that. Uh, New York, too. Um, I think his name is Shurston. Their goalie. I guess they turned to him as being. He's a Russian goalie, and they pretty much said he was the, the number one goalie. And Georgijov, Gorgigov. My bad. I'm probably butchering his name, but who cares? He's not a Ducks player. But they're the number two, and Lundqvist was number three. Well, unfortunately, he got into a car accident. Uh, last night, and so he's out some rib problems. He's out for about a month, and it's just it's just crazy how things switch like that. I think that was the biggest news is like just hearing about that. I had him my fantasy, so I, I watch a lot of games that he plays. It's a phenomenal player, um, so I wish them a, a speedy recovery. But I think that's pretty much it. I think the Robert Leonard thing was probably the, the biggest one that kind of shocked a lot of people. Yeah, that one threw me off too because that one came in later in the day as well. Because you know we just the Ducks just played the Golden Knights. Uh, Subban played in that game and and he actually had a decent game. I, I think until the third period when he let in some of those goals. But I saw that I was like, wow, all right, Vegas is is going in on this goalie thing. So they're kind of doing their thing, uh, trying to like you said, e- either just have another guy in there and uh, to help out Flurry and take some of the the pressure off or to replace him down the road. I don't know, but I mean they're definitely trying to strengthen you know their uh, game between the pipes. So Vegas doing their thing. And uh, the other the other goalie news that we I mean it was just freaking awesome that happened. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, right? They were on the move on the trade deadline. They were going nuts, moving stuff. But how about the goalies go down, Eddie? And then everybody's freaking out, thinking uh, you know Pierre LeBrun was talking about Miller going to Carolina, and that's why I tweeted out. I'm like, dude, he's not going there. He's got the no trade clause. Plus, he wants to stay in California. So if um, Miller was going to go anywhere, I was going to say San Jose or L.A. Not not because of rivals, but his wife works in LA and they want to stay in California. I actually talked to him before the season about that. So when that came out, I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. But 
they get the guy that drives the damn Zamboni to come in and be goalie in the Carolina Hurricane game, and then they win. I mean, that was like the craziest story uh, in the league news section here in this last week, Eddie. I mean, that was just an amazing story. And then they went nuts. You know, Carolina, their social media people are beyond awesome. Making t-shirts and like doing all kinds of funny photos and everything. I just, I, it's just a great story all the way around. It's just completely hilarious to see that happen, Eddie. Oh, definitely. And now we're transitioning to our league news, but that was probably the, the feel good, the best story of the season, having this this Zamboni driver come in and, and just his interviews after he's just so like that smile like he, he's a he's 42 years old he's the oldest uh, I guess the oldest rookie or like, the oldest player to get a, a win and he got the win because he was on the ice uh, when they scored the game winning goal to get that win uh, Scott Foster wasn't uh, they're already winning so he didn't get credit with that win but he's 42 years old and you can just swear he was an 8 year old kid with that smile just from cheek to cheek, just ear to ear smile. It was awesome. And his wife on uh, his wife on Twitter. Oh my God, she was funnier. Oh, just f me. Awkward like explanation marks. <laughs> she's like, it's real lonely watching game over here, you know. But it, it was just, it was an all around good story. It's an awesome thing, and I think this is the the best thing for the league. And it's really cool that the Toronto fans, even though they lost, yeah, they're getting a lot of shit for losing. Who's that bony driver? They still cheered him on every save he made. They were cheering. He got named first star of the game. They were cheering for him. It's one of those feel good stories. I think what ruined it for me was today. I heard a lot of these analysts, in which I, I agree with a lot of the analysts how they talk about hockey, but now they're talking about how you know NHL teams should have a third goalie that's a better goalie on their roster and pay them a decent amount to travel with them like a trainer slash you know a goalie it just kind of takes away from stories like this because i think stories like this one and, and, and scott foster it, it happens what this is the second time in what 50 years it happened it just it, it separates the game from every other sport it's like what other sport can a player go down you just bring mr joe blow nobody mr zamboni driver a beer league hockey player to play <laughs> it, it just seems like and this is really sad how the game is kind of transitioning where they want to take every little ounce of fun out of it. It seems like hockey is trying to transition to the Army. And people that are listening that been in the military, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you have one ounce of fun in any military branch you are in besides the Air Force, they will suck it right out of you. You have to be miserable for the four or five years that you're in. It, that's the only thing I didn't like about you know this whole situation. All these analysts are saying that, a league that has to change rules to bring some sort of professional third goalie in to travel with the team just in case an incident like that happens, which I don't agree with, Mike. I think these stories make the game and, and make the game different from every other sport. No, I, I'm with you 100% on this one. I, I don't know why you would have to have a third goalie like that. Maybe at the home games they could have that happen. I mean, we remember that happened with the Ducks one time, but it's super rare that that happens and to – have someone in there all the time, I, I mean, that's kind of tough. I mean, you're limited in what the roster is anyways, unless they're going to expand the roster because if you don't do that, then you're going to have to take a forward or a defenseman off your 23-man roster. 
So that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I just don't think so. And, and like you said, it's a story within a story. You have that happen, and it's it's exciting. It makes the game fun. I mean, you don't want to have someone set. I mean, it was cool to see that happen. And, and it was funny because it was Carolina, one of the best uh, social media teams oh, out definitely. there in the NHL. I mean, that's just, that's just the way they are. So... Uh, I'm with you. I, I liked what happened in there. I thought it was hilarious. And yeah, unless they're going to expand the roster and, and expand the cap space, I, I just don't I don't agree with that either. The other thing I did want to talk about, it's kind of the league news, but it's also the trade deadline too, Eddie, was the master of getting paid by the most teams, Kovalchuk. This guy <laughs> cracks me up. So he gets traded to the Capitals and Montreal retains some of his salary. So now he's getting paid by the Devils, the Kings, the Canadians, and the Capitals, Eddie. Four teams. I'm just cracking up because you and I said when he came back on the scene, we called it. We said, listen, he's not going to pan out. He's not going to be a mainstay with the team. And here he is getting shifted all the way around, and now he's getting money from all these teams. It just it just cracks me up. He's like the master paycheck man. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know him personally, and I, I just see what I, I, the, the few games I've watched. I think he's – I I love Ovechkin. I hope Ovechkin wins another cup, but I really hope that Kovalchuk doesn't win a cup. I think he's a selfish or selfish player, and all he cares about is his himself, and it's all, it's all, it's, it's all about him. If, if you don't make it all about him and he's just going to throw a bitch fit, he's not going to play his hardest. You know, he got tra- – he signed up with Montreal – they gave him top minutes, you know, and you know, just pretty much put him in that thing. I think with LA, they, they kind of made him try to earn that spot. He wasn't producing; they dropped him. He just kind of like whatever, like it's just his attitude. You saw what he did with New Jersey; kind of screwed them over, and New Jersey's still paying for that. It, it just, I don't know. I, I hope to God, to the hockey gods, that he never is a duck or an avalanche either. Like. I hope he, the next team he goes to, the Wild, but I think if the Capitals lose, he'll probably go cry again and go back to the KHL, which will be good riddance. I, I, just, I just don't think he's, you know, I think he's just all for himself. He's just a selfish player, but it, it's kind of sad. You have two teams that are paying you to play against them. I think that really shows a lot of kind of your character and how much these teams don't want you. I want him to get traded and get paid by another team. Like, just keep it going, dude. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I know, but I, I, I'm just making Don't fun. say that. You're going to have Bob Murray trade. Well, who, yeah. who, oh, Delorier. And yeah. then piss me off. Yeah. Oh, that was another one. We were glad that Delorier stayed with the team, too. I forgot to mention that as well. So, you also did bring up Washington. Uh, if you didn't see it, Ovechkin scored uh, goal number 700 uh, this season. And in our notes here that Eddie put together, that uh, he scored uh, 12 of those against the Ducks. Uh, throughout his career so you know that the Ducks and and, uh, Capitals when they play always have high-flying games so congrats to Ovechkin uh, in there Um, another player too that we did mention I kind of wish the Ducks would have gotten they they didn't from this trade deadline that we were talking about Eddie was uh, Bogosian from Buffalo he ended up getting placed on waivers and was cleared but then he didn't show up to the AHL and, you know, his contract ended up going down, but then he ended up going to Tampa Bay. I, you know, I know Phil was kind of happy about that. We talked about that during the trade deadline today. Uh, you know, another pickup for them to kind of help with their defensive depth. But that, that was one. I know the Ducks went and got some defensive players in this trade deadline with Goodbranson and, and Fowler being out for a little bit. But I, I thought that was a guy, again, you know, if you're going to take risks like Murray's and some of the players, that was one that you and I talked about we thought maybe they'd take a risk on. And, it, and the Ducks didn't do it, and now he's in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I just, 
I don't know what really played on that. I think he he was preferring to sign with the contending team. I think he was in the running for I want to say Arizona and Carolina as well. Uh, two teams that are going to be in the playoff contention. So I don't think once his contract got terminated, he would come with the Ducks. Um, I don't know when he requested the trade if the Ducks could have tried to get him. His contract was kind of kind of bad. But if Buffalo was willing to throw out some draft picks or some prospects they had, or I don't know if uh, Buffalo didn't want to do that. But yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. I think that was one of the players that they could have got, and uh, especially his time in Buffalo was over. And I think they kind of they could have took advantage of Buffalo and try to push them to get some kind of higher draft picks or compensation compensation to get him. But yeah, he's over there with Tampa Bay. They're loading up. Um, I'm not sure what the impact he's going to have. He's not the player he is. But he's really physical. He, he can throw his weight around. So I think that, that that can play an advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I know they talked about it on NHL Network. And I'll bring it up. And I know Phil, Phil will say something to me afterwards. Because I brought this up before about them getting eliminated in the first round last year. <laughs> but but they were talking about on NHL Network that they were trying to get a little bit more tougher and whatnot. Because they didn't want to get spanked again. That was uh, I can't remember who said it. One of the analysts said that that used that word specifically. Um, you know, in in that first round. So I, I don't think that'll happen to Tampa Bay. I think that they are going to be in a good position. So, but yeah, like you said, he, he might not have come to Ducks anyways because he wanted a contending team. Uh, I just thought it was somebody that the Ducks maybe could have tried to trade for before that, but you know, ended up not working out. Uh, the other big news, I guess, we kind of talked about a couple different incidents here. A lot of uh, players have come out mad at player safety. People have come out against the refs. We've seen the ref cuss out players, all kinds of stuff going on in the league. And uh, you had Montreal Canadiens, Claude Julien, getting fined 10000 for his comments. He was pretty pissed off, huh, Eddie? Oh, yeah, he was. It just He was quoting saying some people need to be held accountable after the game. He's meaning the referees. Uh, he's quoted saying we had to beat two teams tonight. It was poorly. It was a poorly managed game. Let's put it that way. And they find him 10k for that. The same game, the referee told uh, one of the Montreal players. I don't know some variation of shut the f up or get the f over there. <laughs> I'm saying f because I think I used the f word already once in the show, so I'm not going to use it again. <laughs> but it's just I, I see his frustration and I get it. Uh, Evander Kane. Um, a lot of people were retweeting his thing, his response, he got suspended. Uh, and even a few Ducks fans saying that they don't like him, but they agree with him. He called them out. And I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't been fined yet. I, I don't know. But he called the player safety out. It's like, okay, well, I did this. Uh, you have the incident with Chara hitting. Uh, I forgot what player he hit. That was a bad cross check. And Chara only got fined. It's just, it's so inconsistent, and I'm going to keep saying this. I love George Perils back in the day when he was a duck, but I think he's a he's an asshole now, and I think he's trying to make up for, for being that goon player he was and that enforcer player, and he's just, I think he's ruining this game, and ever since he took over, I think the game has just digressed, and it's just it's just terrible. And he, he's, he's so inconsistent. He's, he, I don't for being a Princeton graduate, he he's does not know what he's doing, and and the NHL doesn't seem to to kind of jump in there and and kind of change it. You have fans from every single fan base complaining. Obviously, there's something going wrong. It's not just you know the, one fan base is crying over the other. It's you can see this. If you can you could be a, a brand new hockey fan or be a hockey fan for 50 years, and you can see the inconsistency that's going on. And it's just crazy. You had. 
uh, Scott Sabrin get a 10-minute misconduct and fine for spraying water and Shafali, whatever his name is. It's just things like that. It, it's just getting out of hand. And I, I don't know what George Perils is thinking. I don't know if he's trying to change the game. His, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if him and Carcelo are, are, I'm sorry to say this, maybe bed buddies and they just want to just screw this game over and, 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 and change it the way it is. I just, I'm getting tired of seeing the game that I grew up loving getting just watered down like this and turning into something that that's kind of like, you know, I guess self-sensitive in today's society. It's just, it's just, it's ridiculous and disgusting to me. And I really wish I was a millionaire because if I would have saw, uh, you know, the Montreal Canadiens coach get fined that $10,000, I would have gladly shot him that $10,000 to give it to a charity or just give it to him to pay for it because I don't think he was wrong at all. And I think that he was right to, to stick up for his players and come out there, especially when a referee is telling your player to shut the F up or get the F out of there, whatever he said. Yeah, that, that surprised me, you know. And then you saw even uh, Evander Kane, who, you know, whatever, you like him or you don't, he came out too strongly against uh, the the player safety as well and what was going on. He uh, Remember, he got suspended for an elbow, which, I mean, it, he should have been suspended, but then he's sh- uh, posting other things and people are talking about other plays. The same thing's happening and it, nothing's happening. You know, and we go back to Kasha too. Hello, we looked at that and discussed that, right? I mean, real time. We talked about how it was difficult to see, but when you see the replay, hello, Kasha got hit in the head, and obviously he's been out for a while, and you know, and I'm not going to rehash that, but I just my point is, is that we're seeing these different things happen like that, and sometimes it's a penalty, um, you know, if they catch it or not on the ice, that's one thing. But as far as plays getting reviewed, to me, if there's head contact like that, every play should get reviewed by player safety. I don't get why some are and some aren't. That's that's the problem I have, and we even did a poll on that too on the on the uh the puck network twitter account and I, I can't remember the the complete number but it was like 80 something percent of you said you're not happy with uh, player safety so i mean that goes to show you right there how everybody feels so um you know i, I just hope it gets better I, I mean this season i don't know it's may, maybe next season eddie but um uh is there a couple other little things i know uh colorado played in a stadium series game unfortunately lost to your favorite uh rival team one of the favorite rival teams the kings i don't know if you want to talk about that and then maybe wrap up the show yeah i'll go over that i have one more thing to talk about too uh Toffoli actually scored the first hat trick in outdoor game history of course he scores against the avalanche three goals but um the big news was not the, the game it's just a poor planning uh, of that situation, and this was a this was hosted at an Air Force base. Anyone been in a military base, uh, especially over there in Colorado Springs, it's only a couple entrances. Like it's one way in, one way out. They usually inspect every vehicle. It, it's a federal installation, so but they waive that. Unfortunately, it, it's sad to say someone passed away. Uh, someone was walking. The traffic was so bad, they started walking to get off the base, and they I don't know what happened. The details really haven't been released, but he fell off a bridge, and he passed away. Uh, my thoughts and prayers to his family and his friends. It's a terrible situation, and it seems like it was just kind of a poor planned situation, and, and it was the best intentions, and it was, it was really great that they actually had it at the Air Force you know, Academy over there. Especially in Colorado Springs, they have Fort Carson, which I was stationed at, to have a lot of love and everything over there. It's just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It was just poor planned, but you know what? It, you know, some people still had a good time. I wish I would have went there. And if I was stuck in traffic for three hours, I wouldn't have cared. I, think, I love the experience, but it's just, 
I think it's one of those lessons learned, and, and hopefully next time they get an outdoor game, they can at least beat the team they're playing. But, <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to just send my condolences out to the person that passed away and, and his family. And then the last league news I want to talk about, I don't know if you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys saw a Twitter war between the Spit and Chicklets, uh, Paul Bissonette and Daniel Carcello. Um, I guess Carcello's been going at them for a while and, and just jabbing them. Carcello's advocating of player safety and CTE and, and trying to protect players. He might be overzealous. I'm not saying he's wrong. He just kind of... He kind of crosses the line and he poked the the wrong bear and they had a big old Twitter war. And at first I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, Paul Bissonnette's just, you know, he's just, you know, he had enough and he he poked it at. But then I started thinking about it. It's like, come on, they're both acting like kids. And a lot of the fans from Spittin' Chicklets were, I guess, threatening Carcello's family, which was so stupid and so bad. That's something uncalled for. Um, Paul Bissonnette went ahead and apologized for some of the stuff he said, but he called him out on a lot of things. And my point is, you got to be careful what you say on social media, and you have to pick, choose and pick your battles. There's a right way to disagree with someone. There's a wrong way. If you're going to personally just attack them like, like consistently, there's only so much time you, you can just poke the bear and get away with it. Like, if you have an issue with someone, just confront them respectfully. Like, like we're all adults. Like, why not have a constructive conversation about it? Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because that was a really trending and hot topic uh, last week. So I want to just talk about that. I don't know if you have any uh, words to say about that, Mike. Yeah, I'll just wrap up the show on that note. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, I saw the stuff on there, saw them going at each other. I watched some of the videos and whatnot. And it just ends up being a big distraction, unfortunately. And then you see them on there. They're talking about it on the show. And then they're apologizing. And then they're saying, well, this guy said this and this guy said that. And honestly, uh, after I saw some initial stuff, I just tuned it out. I'm like, I'm done. I I don't want to see all that stuff. You know, obviously, those two guys have an issue. Um, I I don't know who's right or wrong or if there is a right or wrong. And I'm not taking sides or anything. But I'm with you, Eddie. You know, take it offline. Figure it out. Uh, do whatever you got to do. We, we talked about this on the show, especially with all the stuff that's happened in 2020. It's been a crappy year uh, in general, and I'm not going to go over all that. You, you've heard it all in the other podcasts that we talked about. But the bottom line is, is it's just not worth it. Why, why go on there? And, and I still see people do that. I see people that uh, you know do other uh, social media as well for uh, other teams and, and things like that. And I see them attack people and make negative comments and stuff like that. And I, I don't understand why you engage in that. You're just making yourself look worse. And if there's someone that you have a problem with, then go talk to them and try and figure it out. And if you agree to disagree and that that's the best you can come to, then that's fine. I get it. Not everybody's going to be friends and kumbaya. I understand that. But that thing got nuts. And I, I mean, that t- t- Twitter war like that, it, it, you know, it's it's just not worth it, unfortunately. So And to make threats on people's family, like, no. uh, come on, that's just, that's crossing the line. Like, we should be better than that. I mean, exactly. we're all adults, unless you're that 40-year-old virgin t- t- making fake profiles. <laughs> the but, fake accounts. <laughs> I know. Got you. McDavid's to the Ducks, McDavid's to the Ducks for Delzato. <laughs> like, man. Yeah, well, there was the other one out there I was laughing. There was some wild, like, three-team trade with the Ducks, and I was like, I'm not even going to entertain this this account. I'm like, really? Come oh, on, I didn't man. see that. I didn't see that. Yeah, one. there was some wild ones out there that I saw, and I was just like, really? So I didn't even go there. But, um, 
hopefully you guys enjoyed the trade deadline. Eddie and I are exhausted. Uh, I'm drinking Moscow Mules. He's drinking Pete and Whitney. Uh, I'm going to go barbecue right now. And it's finally got my grill up and running again. Or actually got a new one, I should say. But uh, I do want to give you one little announcement here. We are going to have a watch party next week on March 3rd. It will be at Solani's Penalty Box in Garden Grove. Uh, I can't guarantee that Solani will be there. I, I don't know 100%. But I hope you guys can make it. It's, it's going to be a good time. They're playing the Chicago Blackhawks at 530. I hope to all come you know, see out. There's a lot of seating and everything. Just come hang out in a group it'll be a fun time i'll post an event thing up on facebook and get that running also check out patreon.com slash ducks and pucks like i said we do a lot of giveaways on there and uh, you can also check out our shirts we have a delorier shirt up now too on tpnhockey.com so check that as well and uh, appreciate all the support eddie and i uh, you know busted our butts basically today and uh, we'll try and have another show in about a week so with that let's go ducks